Hello and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. There's all kinds of family, we chose this one. This is episode 60, Pit Stop Into the Blue from 2005. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Too. And this episode is brought to you by Stuart Cove's Dive Bahamas. Before you start learning more about the company, there's one thing he would like to clear up. There is no location, beach, or inlet called Stuart's Cove yet. Instead, the company carries his name, Stuart Cove, to reflect the quality and personal attention that you will receive from his staff and him each and every day. Stuart Cove's. That's a great yeah, diving... Do you think if you're born with the last name Cove, like you have to go in that career path? I think we've hit a point now, a lot of mothers name their sons names that only can be NFL players. Like, haha, Clinton Dix, you're either not going to have a job or you're going to play a professional sport, and that's what you get. Um, I think Stuart Cove was destined to be a diving instructor. Closer to home, our buddy Chris podcasts, I mean, it was only inevitable <laughs> that he would be a podcaster. So I hope, if you're listening to this that you saw the note in last week's description, you saw our tweet last week, that we have pushed Tammy and the T-Rex off to later in the lap. We'll get the catch-up in our extracurricular activity coming up next, but the timing wasn't exactly going to work out. We will cover Tammy this lap, but we cannot cover Tammy today. Instead, we're covering Into the Blue, which if you have not watched it yet and you want to watch it, you do not need to see this movie. Like, it's not a terrible movie. This is also the patron pick, so I don't want to be too mean on it. We put up the four options. I liked it for which movie our patrons over at patreon.com slash too fast too forever wanted to vote on three of the six picked this one overwhelming favorite i think it was like three one one and then somebody didn't vote this was the far and away the favorite i'm gonna say you do not need to watch this movie it's not a terrible movie but it's not essential viewing but if you want to see the movie it's available to stream for free right now on both amazon prime and hulu so if you have either of those go watch it Paul Walker, Jessica Alba. We'll talk about it after the break. But Joe, I mentioned extracurricular activities since we last recorded Fast and Furious 6. What have you been up to? Uh, We had Thanksgiving in between. What did you do for Thanksgiving? I had Thanksgiving, which is my favorite holiday of all time. Rachel's parents came to visit. We had a wonderful Thanksgiving full of lots of fun, adventurous things. I like to do a deep fried turkey. I deep fry a turkey every year. Did I? Do you know that? No, I don't know. I don't think so. We tried deep frying a turkey like a couple years ago, and it's awesome. Okay. The thing is like five minutes for the turkey, and then three minutes a pound is like the rule of thumb. Okay. So like generally for like 16 to 18 pound turkey, you're looking at like 45 to like an hour. Okay. Which is like, that's fucking awesome. So you don't have to cook it. This is the cooking. This is everything. That's like from like when you dip the turkey to taking the turkey out. You have to heat the oil. Right, but like you don't to... put it in, like you don't cook it in the oven and then fry it. Yeah, this is just like no, from just... from like you season it or whatever and then just toss it in the fryer. Yep. We started doing it this way. It is incredible. Highly recommended, but do it outside. Be safe. But it's a great thing. Rachel and her mom love it because we stay out of the kitchen. Mm. Like me and Kevin go outside and you have to like watch the turkey to make sure it doesn't catch on fire, which means you get to drink beers outside. As long as it's a Corona. As long as it's a Corona. And so like we sit outside, like watch football drink beers and like just make sure this thing doesn't explode which it won't they stay inside and get the full oven right because like that's like a big thing for thanksgiving if you have turkey in there you don't have like room for other shit in the oven yeah yeah yeah. black friday we woke up rachel had to do some work things so i took rachel's parents to the vinegar syndrome pop-up shop yeah bridgeport 
which is Tammy and the T-Rex adjacent or related or explicitly yes. part of it. it. They had it at this record store. Dude, you would love this place. So this is not was like, an always Vinegar Syndrome. This is just like a special for Black Friday. This is where they popped up. Their official headquarters office is in Bridgeport. I didn't know that. I thought it was kind of random that it was in Bridgeport because this felt like a very like Brooklyn, Williamsburg type thing. Was it crowded? Have, right? No. We were trying to figure out if it was going to be sold out, if it was going to be hard to get, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I eventually, I ordered one that's going to be shipping, I guess, tomorrow. You said it's not Brooklyn, it's Bridgeport. But even then, I was still thinking, like, people in the New York area without something to do would maybe make the pilgrimage, like, it's only, like, an hour from the city, but I guess yeah. I guess not. It coincides with Record Store Day. That's when they release, like, you know, all the Record Store Day-specific releases. Yep. So they do, like, you know, special things. It's always Black Friday, and you go support your local record store. They have, like, rare, you know, re-release, rare things, picture discs. And then, so we go into the record store, and it's this, like, tiny, like, divey-looking record store. But they had all this cool shit. They had, like, all kinds of old, like, movie cards, you know, like the packs of, like, Jurassic Park cards. You know what I mean? Like, all of these kind of things. There was an episode. So I think of Cage Club Revisited, where we opened a pack of those cards because Mike had Mike bought Mike bought a couple. He and I and Kyle, the foodie films man himself, were yes. watching a movie, and there was a piece of gum in there, and Kyle ate the gum, and it just dissolved in his mouth. Like gum from the eighties just dissolved yes. in his mouth, and so that's on our Instagram, the Cage Club Pod Instagram. I'm very very well versed with those movie pack cards, but there's like so it's all the old vintage ones that are just ready to be purchased. still wrapped that you could still buy. They had a bunch of VHS a bunch of laser disc. It was more than a record store. It was like an archive. It's called okay. the archive. That's the name of the store. So that gives you like an idea of it. Then we go in and upstairs they had the Vinegar Syndrome pop-up shop and they had all of their releases and also like the syndicate. I think that's like a partnership with them or something. Do you know about this? Mm, no, but like Vinegar Syndrome did a lot of stuff with the Draft House in Austin. Like I think there's just like kind of a cluster of those kind of companies interested in that kind of thing that I'll partner yeah. up on. Just basically, I, I guess for, for financial, but also like backing and whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming that they're all like getting them pressed at the same place and stuff like, you know what I mean? It's all like a team effort kind of thing. But this is like, there was like a ton of like old smut, you know, like the five showing porno films that you would like see at the porno theater, yes. right? Mm -hmm. And it was like a ton of those and like we were there and like Kevin's like, I, like I, I know the names of the, you know what I mean? Like, like I remember these things. And then they had like a bunch of really cool movie posters that like I was tempted I like I didn't even send you pictures of the movie posters because they were so fucking cool and they were like original movie posters they were like 20 bucks each but it was like her vagina ate her or whatever right. you know what I mean like the weirdest ones you could get some t-shirts and shit they had Tammy and the T-Rex yeah it was really cool it was like a fun pop-up shop it was something that I, I think that next year if they did it again I would say come up and visit for it just because I want you to see the store I think you would have a good time in it and if you came to visit I would take you to this store now because I think it's just like a very interesting store even if you wouldn't buy anything i think you'd probably would buy something but like even if you didn't it's like a really interesting store for like you larson you know these kind of mike you guys would all dig through it it would be like a really cool store for you yeah it was the kind of thing that i would want to go to but spending five hours in a car on a weekend where i was already doing other things with friends and stuff like that it was exactly. just a, it was a tough ask but i say i say next time you come up we take a ride down it's only 20 minutes for sure. me and we go check out the store just so you could see it because i like you're not going to have the vinegar syndrome pop-up shop but at the same time you're going to get a lot of everything else and you can buy the vinegar syndrome stuff online if you want so very cool did you do anything else between uh last weekend and today we started a new tradition did two years in a row i think three years makes it a tradition right i've heard two but either way you're close you're either there okay. or you're close we now go the weekend after thanksgiving matt zach adam 
me, Rachel's parents, Rachel, and we all go and we do an escape room. Okay. So they give you, like, the list of, like, times, right? They're like, this is, like, you know, what the best times of the month were. You know, you get an hour. So, like, all of them are usually, like, 45 minutes, mm-hmm. whatever. This one was all, like, 55. Okay. It was, like, the best times of the month. So we were, like, Hoof. It was, like, werewolf-themed. Okay. Okay? Not, like, Twilight werewolves, but, like, actual Classic werewolves. vintage werewolf. Vintage werewolf. You're in a log cabin. The werewolf is trying to get you or whatever. We just make a really great escape room team. Everybody has their own kind of jobs, and we, like, kind of, like, piece it together. But, like, we split into groups really well. We're, like, nervous, and we're, like, oh, fuck. Like, we don't think we're going to finish. And then, like, all of a sudden, we, like get out and the dude's like wow that was like the fastest time for this one wow and we were like what really and he's like yeah there's like two there's there's an alternate ending but we got the fastest time for the ending that we did which was the more complicated ending oh okay yeah and we were like holy shit that's awesome so did you win yeah. anything or it's just like a it's a rec- it's an honor thing it's just like an honor thing but we were just like like we didn't think we were going to finish it and we were all like doing different things and like you know confused and like doing different other things i was like oh man sorry like there's like one part where i was like i know that i must it must have been frustrating oh they had this like rock right and they're like well you could charge the rocks by putting it next to like the element that it is so like i had the wind one and like i needed to charge it and i found like every vent in this fucking escape room that wasn't the like triggering vent like i was finding like the real vents yeah and i was like putting the rock next to these and he's like maybe you want to try the other room like (laughs) like, i know what to do and like i'm doing it but like i just can't find the vent that they're trying to get you to put it next to like i'm using like the actual room vents and he's like ah like come on, man. And I was like, sorry. And he's like, no, dude, like you guys were blowing through it. It was crazy. That was my whole fun weekend. I have some other cool stuff coming up in a couple weekends that maybe I didn't even tell you about yet. What have I done since last? When did we last record? That was, I guess, last Tuesday. So I did Thanksgiving with my parents, not anything out of the ordinary, but it was a nice, lots of food, football, cool. all that sort of fun stuff. Black Friday, oh, Black Friday was fun. We were going to record some podcasts here for Tub Talk, and that fell through. Okay. But instead, I went down the shore, and I we hung out, and we went and played Frisbee in the park, which was like cold, oh, but it was cool. just really fun. And nice. then we went to this place, called, this place called Pete and Elda's. And Pete and Elda's is sort of like a locally famous place down the shore because it's everyone's favorite pizza spot. And they have a okay. challenge there that if you eat a double XL pizza by yourself, pay for the pizza, but you get a t-shirt to commemorate the occasion. And so the okay. pizza's seventeen dollars. And so all five of us there were just is it like huge. But you said by yourself, so you each got one. We each got one. So we got five double XL pizzas. Is it huge? No. It's probably big. Like it's probably I think it's seventeen or eighteen inches across, but it's but super, it super, super thin. Oh, okay. Incredibly thin. Because I was next to my friend who was doing it kind of quickly and I was trying to keep up with him and then I just blew by him I probably did it in under 10 minutes like I just knocked it out and I was stacking one on top of the other and eating oh, so two okay. it was super easy we all completed it one of my friends who was in from LA really? wasn't going to do it uh, he was just going to get a eat half a pizza and then eat the other half in the morning and then he just kind of slowly picking at the pizza and then just finished it but we all got the t-shirts it's like the number 238th shirt in the history of Pete Mildes. Mm. So, like, they have, like, these redesigns. So for Thanksgiving weekend, I guess, or whatever, turkey's on them. And so it's kind of like turkey's doing whatever. And the shirt is comically large. Like, it's, a, it's an XL or something shirt. So it's, like, it's big on all of us. You know, it's a free shirt. Like, for 17 bucks, you get a lot of pizza, and you get a, a T-shirt. Like, it's a good deal. And we all had a bonding moment from That's that. That's fun. So that was Plus fun. you get this cool T-shirt. Yeah. We hung out a little bit. We went out for drinks. Like, we, we, we went out what was going to be dinner, and then none of us ate because we had just eaten a whole bunch of pizza. So we just had a drink. Yeah. On Saturday. Oh, on Saturday, I saw two movies 
I saw the Mr. Rogers movie, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, which was good, but I didn't love it, and I'm going to have to watch it oh, again really? for Hanks for the Memories. Well, I, you know I'm a big Mr. Rogers fan, and I have a little bit of a... Uh, Pittsburgh. ...of a Pittsburgh note for this movie tonight, too. Oh, okay. Very cool. We will get to that. I watched Mr. Rogers when I was little, but I don't think I grew up on Mr. Rogers, so, like, the documentary, which I think is better than this, and this movie didn't tug on my child hearts. You know what I mean? It's not like the kind of yeah, movie... Yeah, it would are... hit It would hit hard for me. Like, my mom actually, like, knew Mr. Rogers Ooh. when she worked at the bank. Fred. Yeah, she was would, like talk to him everybody around pittsburgh obviously has like cool mr roger stories of like you know their favorite time meeting him sure. and all this stuff because he was like a real guy he shot the show in the studio next to my high school oh very Remember? cool didn't i show you that i think like, so Central's probably right there the building next to it is like right where he was like recording all the episodes very cool so i saw that and then i saw queen and slim which i think a while ago you said is going to be my favorite movie of the year he's like this seems like the kind of movie that joey's going to love and it was good but it was it kind of fell short of what I was sort of hoping for, and that seems to kind of be the, okay. the reception to a lot of Like, I think nobody's saying it's a bad movie, and I think it's an important movie, but I think that in terms of what it's trying to get across, police brutality against, uh, you know, yes. black people and whatever, Minorities. it doesn't yeah. exactly go as far as it maybe could or should. It's, oh, it's still a good movie. I enjoyed it, but, you know, it's not necessarily the kind of movie you, you run out and go see. I was like, that's going to be a VOD for me, right? Yep. Like, that's... I don't know if you saw, like, the preview... Prob- probably not. But, like, the trailers for it were, like, very, like, Oscar Beatty. Like, they made it look like it was, like, Moonlight or something. Well, I think that it's trying... Like, it's it's trying to be that kind of thing. And, like, Demi Adigiwebe, okay. who is a comedian and a writer who I really like, has said it's, like, he... he dubbed it like the blackest movie of the year, which is probably true. Oh, interesting. But it's not, okay. I don't want to undercut its importance, but at the same time, it's not Moonlight. Like Moonlight, I think, touched on a lot of issues. Yes. I think it touched on race, yeah. touched on sexuality, touched on the intersection of both of those, you know, coming of age, all that sort of stuff. This is a very sort of specific, tight time frame that frames a real issue in a very specific fictionalized version. I'm seeing a couple more movies this week. I will talk about those next week. My my bummer, kind of, is that Honey Boy, the new Shia LaBeouf movie, where he basically, where he plays his dad. Do you know about this movie? No. So he wrote, I think he wrote this movie. Uh, It's like an autobiographical movie where he basically plays his dad because he and his dad don't get along. And I don't know much more than that. But it's a movie called Honey Boy and it's getting great reviews. I didn't realize until like Saturday or Sunday that it's in one AMC theater near me. And so I was going to go on Thursday or Friday. It's out of theaters already on Friday. And th- like this is the fr- like, you know how I always talk about it, we've, we've talked about it on here if a movie's around yes. yeah like see smaller movies first but like I didn't realize it for a couple days and then I was like I'll have at least one more like I can see it on the weekend or whatever at least two weekends yeah but Thursday the last day in the first week it's open it's only showing at two and four p.m. I'm like what the fuck like it's terrible so it's done so it's yeah. done so I am going instead because I have the AMC pass but I'm going to another theater an indie by me because it's leaving basically leaving New Jersey on Thursday wow. so I'm going to a different theater so it must have really flopped hard. I don't think it flopped. I think it just didn't get a push. Like, this must have been, like, a small run to maybe get Oscar qualification or whatever. I don't know. Uh, like, I don't understand. Okay. I think it's an Amazon movie. It might be on Amazon sooner rather than later, but, like, I want to see it. I want to make sure I see it this year because I think I'm going to really like it. I love Shia. We did the podcast about Shia. Obviously, yeah. And it's just a bummer. So, like, if Honey Boy is around you, I can't vouch for its quality, but if you want to support an but indie it's movie, out of theaters by now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's just a it's a bummer, man. But whatever. I have a correction to make that I did not know was a correction that needed to be made, and okay. I want to. We we did a shared thing today that is not going to come to fruition, I guess, for a couple months. 
but you and I just recorded an episode. Oh, yeah. Of, <laughs> I like you say what? Like, you don't know what I'm talking about. I didn't. I really didn't know where you were going with this. Like, you, like a shared thing could have been, like, you shared something on social media and then was like, oh, it's like an edit now. Just hours ago. This is not our first podcast of the day. Mere hours ago, you and I recorded an episode of the Rocky Mayavia Picture Show. Uh, with which Nate Milton, who emailed into the show. Uh, we talked yes. about Fast Five. It was Red. a lot of fun. It was so much fun. He's a great dude, like I said. One, he has an awesome voice. Yep. Two, he's hilarious. He's right up your alley. I think you guys will like the episode. He, you know, he obviously is doing a podcast about The Rock. Yep. He's a big wrestling fan. It's it's on the Wrestling Podcast Network. So we talk a little bit more about The Rock being a wrestler. We talk about the Fastiverse. He's very knowledgeable about The Rock, so he's a good dude. And he's going to be on our show, I hope we can find the time, uh, next lap yes. sometime. I hope we hope schedules align. This episode will come out in February, so we will remind you as We've it gets closer. Time. It's a lot of the things I think we've talked about on this show with a little bit of a new perspective, and also kind of focused, like, it's it's sort of what we did, Joe, for Fate of the Furious on Watch of Throne, where we just, like, looked at the through one character's lens, right? Like, we talked exactly about yep. other characters and family in the movie as a whole, but a lot of it was about what specifically The Rock brought to Fast Five when he was added to the franchise, what the Hobbs character is all about. And so if you yep. really love that, I think, uh, especially, you know, we just did a couple episodes, five and six, where he's the big draw. It was a cool episode. I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun. We ever get to doing a rock lap, we're going to have to have uh, Mr. Nate on for a bunch of episodes. Surely. Here, huh? And we'll also need to pick his brain as to which ones we should do, because he was naming movies that like I'd heard oh, of, yeah. but I'd never seen. And we were like, he's like, what do you guys think about this movie? I was like, I've heard of it. And we're like, we've never never seen it, but we know it yeah. exists. The correction that must be made. Listener to the podcast and past guest, Christian Larson, messaged me on Facebook today. He's like, I just want to let you know. And he's like, you don't have to say this on the podcast. I was like, no, 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 you brought it up. Going. I'm going to talk about it. But remember at the beginning of last episode, when I was talking about Brian's wedding and Kyle yes. at the wedding saying cageclub.me, that's cageclub.me, and I gave yes. the credit to Chris Podcast on Now and Again. Larson said he was the one on Monkey Club, which he did with Chris Podcasts, where he did cageclub.me because he thought, which is exactly what I thought Chris's mindset was, that people wouldn't realize that the .me was a top-level domain, and so he spelled it out. But it makes sense now that Chris got it from Larson, but I don't remember Larson saying it. So I want to, on the record, apologize to Larson. Mr. Christian Larson, sorry. I was so rude to have taken that away from you. If you want to know... Who was the first person to spell the word me, M-E, <laughs> Mr. Christian Larson? And we were just talking about Larson. I hope he listens and comes up and visits when you come to go see the archive. For sure. Like a store right up his alley. Yeah. I was thinking about him while I was there. I was like, you guys could have so much fun here. They kind of focus in horror, too. You know what I mean? Like old, campy horror, like weird horror, rare horror. So I mean, it makes yeah, sense that Vinegar Syndrome would pick that kind of place to do it at, but exactly. it's just it's weird that it that there's two Exist. locations in Bridgeport, unless they're both like owned by the same, or started by the same person, or whatever. What? You know what I mean? What do you mean? The fact that like Bridgeport's not like a thriving metropolis. To have two like different companies, Vinegar Syndrome and the pop-up, right? I really feel like the dudes that own this They both, they own the same thing? Yeah. Yeah. I can't confirm that, but it really seemed like it was their store, and that's just like the upstairs of their store. Yeah. So we have a Patreon page here on the show, patreon.com slash too fast to forever. Shout out to Cassie Wilson, Jake Freer, Ben Milliman, Nick Burris, and Alex Ellenin for supporting us over there. Thank you all so very much. Thank you, guys. If you want to be a patron of ours and get voting rights into the next lap and also learn what the next two lap themes are. And be part of the toy drive. So we cashed out the Patreon funds today, so we're going to... 
put that toward the toy drive. If you are donating any toys to Toys for Tots or anything like that, send us a picture to family we'll at kidsclub.me, and we will put it up there. We're going to try to get everybody to uh, kick some toys to the some Fast and Furious toys. Yes, to as we drift you a Merry Christmas. As we drift you a Merry Christmas, yeah. And if you also want to know the next two lap themes, if you want to have access to the Fast and Furious Minute document, if you want early access to the episodes, if you want merch and swag and our undying love and affection, too fast, too forever com. We also have an email address here on the show, family at cageclub.me. Joe, I've been telling you all week that we did we didn't have a lot of emails, so this is gonna be a short episode. So all yep. of a sudden we're up to seven emails. Five of those came in today. But I think they're all, for the most part, shorties. So let's go through okay, them. Cool. First Come up, down. we heard from her a couple times last week, superfan Jenny McMullen sending an email, Lee Hi, Iacocca. Ooh, Lee Iacocca. Hi, guys. Sitting in the grocery store parking lot for this one. Again, setting the scene beautifully. I love it. You guys are just too young to remember Lee Iacocca. After his famous rise to the top of Ford, he was the CEO of Chrysler in the 80s, starred okay. in their commercials and wrote a best-selling autobiography and a couple other books. He passed away this year, which maybe that's why I know why he's fresh in the brain, His maybe. name. She says, now you know, and I can go shopping. Shopping card emoji, smile emoji, later, Jenny. Thank you, Jenny, for letting us know. We, I just knew his name. Like, I, I couldn't imagine. Like, if you had to, like, get me to be, like, one fact about Lee Iacocca, like, I would have had nothing to say. So she also sent in here two screenshots. It looks like maybe a, an obituary from CNN. A fact in here is that he was named president of Ford in 1970, but he was fired by the Deuce. In 1978. Oh. So then he hired by Chrysler Corp in 78, became the company's CEO in 79. He's credited with saving them from bankruptcy. Oh, that's very cool. So thank you, Jenny, for writing in about that. It was a name, like, I still don't know if that's why I know him, but I definitely knew the name before Ford v. Ferrari. I just still don't really know why. Know why. Other than he's just famous, and I would just know it. You know what I mean? Yeah. The next email that we have is from Wes Hampton. It is a subject line, one for dude, what's my car? And so he writes in okay. here, and he just says, Happy Thanksgiving. First of all, so happy Thanksgiving to you, Wes. Happy Thanksgiving, Wes. And Jenny, too. And Jenny, too. And everybody, all of our listeners, all of our dear, yeah, sweet listeners. all of our listeners. There's nothing I'm going to read in this, because I'm going to read what he wrote next episode. At the car game. Yes. Fair. We have now have three emails in a row from Alex Ellenin. This is what I was saying today. This is sort of like an unfolding narrative. He's sort of doing like a little investigative journalism as he learned Ooh. about something and followed up with follow-up facts. So cool. first subject line, cue the training montage, boys. It's feud in time. It's feud in time. Okay. Alex writes, so there I was, just chillaxing at work, when I get a notification from Instagram. A follower request? Oh my. So I tap the screen and the app okay. opens. Name Redacted Podcast has, request- has requested to follow you. He says, hmm, never heard of it. I think to myself, better investigate. Okay. Quote, the podcast that takes the world's fastest movie and breaks it down one furious minute at a time. Hold the fuck on. Oh, God. Who are Ryan and Jason? I check my podcast app and show enough, maybe a Last Dragon reference, there it is. A podcast that's seemingly a direct ripoff of the Fast and Furious Minute. <laughs> this new podcast, On the Block, is barely two months old at the time of this email. I'll do some more research and report back. Their episodes are only about ten minutes long or so. I'm writing this on the morning of the Fast 6 episode, so looking forward to that this week. Hope everyone had a good Thanksgiving. Alex... Ellen in. Thank you, Alex, for the first email. I think they just are going and requesting 
followers. They sure are, because them. Larson asked me about them today, too, and they also and followed Matt. more people, too. <laughs> that's that's one tactic, It's I guess. It's the same thing that Brian's Canadian rivals, the Teenage Dirtbags, did. Uh, they just followed everybody. Like, they're like, they followed Melissa's sister. Like, do you know how many, like, degrees from Kevin Bacon you have to get to follow, like, Melissa? Like, it just doesn't, it's just a wild <sighs> domino chain, but, like, if they're following, like, 800 people today, then the Dirtbags are following, like, 2,000. Like, I mean, if you want to boost your numbers... It's one way to do it. I guess, yeah. So then the follow-up email, Alex says, yeah, it's literally if the Fast and Furious Minute was its own thing. (laughs) Here's the Apple link. And he sent a link to the podcast that you and I know what it is. Yep. Third email, he says, seems they are aware you guys are also doing it. I DM them. And they're just doing it as an excuse to watch the movies. Well, that's respectable. I mean, we only do this as an excuse to watch the movies, so. You know, it's weird to me. Like, there's a bunch of Fast and Furious podcasts, right? Like, there are so many there's of them. There's a bunch. There's some that we don't understand why they still exist. You know, <laughs> yes. I, I try to preach neutrality to all of them. Like, I think everybody can do their own thing. Yeah. It's confusing. for everyone. It's confusing to me. Like, when we started the Fast and Furious Minute, Wes was like, this is an idea that I've had forever. I always wanted to do this. You guys doing it basically saves me the work. I love it. Okay. Which, which made me happy because, like, you know, Wes, one of our and, biggest supporters. And the Minute thing is not an original idea. Exactly. You know? Like, a lot of people have done it for a lot of different things. It's not an original idea. But for another show to do the same thing that we're doing... <laughs> Basically, within a month or two of us starting that segment, it's like, huh. I'm there with you, bro. And just like Forrest Gump said, and that's all I got to say about that. Amen. Now, the next two emails are both from Justin Kleinman. Shout out to Justin up north. I saw Justin. I don't know if you follow him on Instagram, but he's got some adorable pictures of he he and his kids decorating for Christmas. It was very cute. Oh, cool. No, I didn't see it. Send him a a like. You know, no big deal. I sent him a like, though. Yeah, send him some love, man. Subject line of the first email, FF6. I wrote back to him and I just said, ha 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 ha, this made me laugh out loud. So, okay. Perhaps I wrote about this long ago, but it always bugs me. They hatched this whole elaborate plan, Brian to go back to the U.S. and sneak in the jail. He's got a 24-hour yes. window. The stakes are high. For God's sake, he could have easily been murdered by Braga's henchmen. But alas, yeah. he prevails and returns to Europe. Okay. Upon arrival, he immediately goes to tell Dom what happened. And without being able to say a word, Dom cuts him off and says something like, whatever happened there was for you. What the hell? Why go there at all? It didn't matter to anyone. <laughs> Fair point. Like, it reminds me of in The Matrix, right? When Neo goes to the Oracle. Yes! The Oracle's yeah. like, you know, I don't know, next life or whatever. It's it's not. And then he goes back to Morpheus. He's like, you know, she said, and he's like, that doesn't, it's, that's for you and for you alone. Like, Morpheus is saying that because, like, it literally, like, it does not matter to him. Like, he knows what his destiny is. Here, it's yes. like, hey, go to America. We need this information. He comes back. He's like, hey, I got the information. He's just like, no, we're good. It's like, wait, <laughs> what? I think that they're, like, kind of biting the Matrix moment now that you said that about it. Because it, it, like, lends some gravity to it. And it's way more serious if Dom's like, that was for you. Than it is if he's like, hey, I got the information. Yeah, it's weird, though. It's very weird. Yeah. It's very, very, very weird. Very weird. Second email from Justin Kleinman. Subject line, oh, yeah, I forgot. Any news on the online viewing party? We kind of dropped the ball on that. I don't remember why. Rabbit stopped. And now they're this new thing that you have to, like, download an app for. We were waiting till we got back to one so we could try it for one again, right? That's what I thought the plan was. I think so. So the, so Fast and Furious, the first one, the Fast and the Furious, 2001, yes. the one that we were blowing through in the minute. We are going to do that one on 2.25.20. So we will probably record that around 2.18.20. So yes. So okay. Yeah, we need to try out the new app. Because Joey and I tried out Rabbit, and we were like, oh, cool, this works. And then, like, the next month, 
like right before we were about to do it, they were just like, nope, we got bought out. Yeah. Like we're not a real thing anymore. I don't want to say that we're lazy because we're not lazy. I know that we're not lazy, but like we were lazy-ish with Rabbit because we're like, oh, it exists. We'll just get to it when we get to it. No big deal. Yeah, we're like, let's line it up. Let's pick the We movie. finally let's do it within time. like two weeks. They're like, nope, done. And like it had been around for at least months before that, like months and months and months. Yeah. I'm kind of scared. I'm kind of shook a little bit, but. Yeah, it's like they kind of like, yeah, they like felt us. I mean, also, but we talked about it. Like that thing shouldn't fucking exist. And I don't know how it did for as long as it did but apparently there's like a new thing this one seems to be more like a screen sharing kind of app we'll find out but yeah in february we will watch the first movie for the kickoff of lap six which if you're a patron you know what the theme is and i will not say any further we didn't forget about it we like this idea but the they kind of shut down on us yes that's all the email so thank you all for sending in the emails if you want to email in quick though yeah it was was cool like i I love a high number and also a lot of quick in and out like i loved alex like every like because basically like three emails over like an hour and a half it was just like wait here's a little bit more wait here's a little bit all right all right we're good i can't wait to go tell everybody else that messaged me about it the, they probably just followed email. everybody that we follow, maybe? Maybe? I don't, I don't know. know. Right in, if you, <laughs> if you know why you followed us. Also. And all of our followers. Also, please. not that you, I don't think that you would. You're like a, a snake lying in tall grass. But if you do a Fast and Furious podcast and you listen to the show, email us, family at cageclub.me. Let us know you're out there. We, Say hi. Yeah. Yeah, we don't even have to read it. Tell us to go fuck ourselves. Make a fake email. Who cares? Totally fine. If you also want to, in the meantime, leave us a review. This is also opening up the floodgates to possible tampering by other podcasts. But if you want to leave us a review on iTunes, give us five stars, rate, review, subscribe. 17 ratings, all five stars. No new reviews, but thank you all who have written in, who have reviewed us, who have given us a five-star rating. We really, truly appreciate it. All right, Joe, the last thing we have to do before we take a break and talk about Into the Blue is talk about... The Fast and the Furious Minute, Minute 25, a minute that we did not have named, but I have since named Drive, in parentheses, 2011, directed by Nicholas Winding Refn. <laughs> I was going to say, like, The Buster to the Rescue, Ooh. or just The Garage. It's tough, and we will play the audio for the minute, and you'll hear why now. say that nothing happens in this minute because we've had minutes where less has happened than this but yes that's true that's true there's not a lot that happens here in at least in terms of what we cover it's an awkward minute selection yes where where it starts where it ends like it makes sense that like the scramble like everybody's leaving at the end of the previous minute and like this minute kind of ends with dom getting picked up by brian so like it makes sense there there's sometimes you know like a tv episode like a filler episode where they're just like we need to like advance the plot and, like we or whatever yeah, we need to get from here to here yep and they just do and it. that's one of these minutes where dom goes into the parking garage 
puts on his jacket, which is why I was thinking I called it Drive, because at the beginning of Drive, when, when Gosling is driving, when the driver is driving, and he pulls into the Clippers game and then puts the jacket on or reverses the yep. jacket yep. and walks into out. Into garage, too. Yep. Yeah. So it's a, it's a similar thing where it's just like, let me put my car in a place I can get it later, change my appearance. He does that, so I have a, walks away. I have a question for you. Cop pulls a U-turn, Dom runs, Brian gets picked up. What's up? Did you notice that this parking garage has no intro or exit? It's just full entry. Which is... Amazing, considering this is Los Angeles, it's in LA. and it's wildly yeah. expensive to park there, probably. And uh, this is just a totally free garage. You just pull up, no parking tickets. But I mean, maybe we just don't. See. Maybe they do some creative editing. Like he pulls in, stops, pushes the button, waits, gets the ticket. <laughs> Cut to him flying. That's up the, the part of the movie I would want to see, right? Yeah. Like I want to know, like what the garage arm is, what company it's from, what kind of ticket he gets. I wonder if anybody hour. has ever Tokyo drifted in real life through one of those. Like I don't know how. You have to time it so well. I don't know if you could. They definitely have. Yeah, but yeah, almost definitely certainly. have. I have a question for you. I don't remember. Do we ever see this car of Dom's again? Yeah, because I think he's. It's the one he uses for race wars and like other things too. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Uh, two notable things because I wanted to see if these actually had happened before, and I okay. looked in our expansive, extensive Fast and Furious Minute document, which is forty-five pages long right now. Holy fuck! I add page breaks after each thing, so it's not exactly forty-five pages, but there's. But it's long. It's forty-five yeah. pages, and it's and it's spaced and like well well organized. So yeah. Uh, this is the second time the name Toretto is spoken aloud in this movie. We have Toretto's Marketing ah. Cafe, obviously, but Brian at one point tells Harry, I think, I'm waiting for Toretto. Because like, I think we're to assume, by Dom being in the back room, that this is Toretto of Toretto's Marketing Cafe, but we don't really ever have confirmation. But then, you know, Brian says to Harry... he could just be, like, the manager of right. Toretto's Marketing Cafe. Like, he doesn't need to be Toretto. And that's who Charlize is asking to see with her haircut from Fast and Furious 9. Yeah. Brian had said one other point, Toretto, so we, we knew that Dom's last name was Toretto. Because I'm still wondering, because it's the kind of thing where I think we kind of take for granted character names and everything like that. Yeah. If we followed that other podcast that breaks it down minute by minute, they don't know, like, they don't say characters' names, I don't think, until they know the characters' names. You know what I mean? So it's an interesting... Yeah. We're, we're sort of blessed with the gift of hindsight, sort of. And the other thing is that the the car that you said he's going to use again for Race Wars, there's at least the third time that we've seen a close-up, the third minute at least, that we've seen a close-up of his license plate, because yes. I was like, is this, is this new information? And no, it is no. not. Uh, but what did you spot here, sign-wise, car-wise? Dom's car, like I said, we've seen a couple times, but there's a new, there's at least one new car here. There's one new car. It's it's the cop car. It has a different license plate than the last cop car. This one's 7689345, which is kind of an interesting number because it's like 3 through 9, right? But also 689 is my birthday, and that's like like whenever I see a 689 together, I'm like, oh, wow, really cool. Why is 6 afraid of 7? Because 689. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It doesn't quite work, but you know. One thing and then one silly thing. The cop U-turns at Cambria Street. Okay. That's where he, like, that's the street sign I got from this time. It's also the font that we use in the minute document. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Dom, when he puts his jacket on, he's, like, walking by outside. The only sign that I could, like, distinguish is a sign that said Maria. And then it had an arrow. And I'm going to describe it to this you. This is a it crazy goes... font. I've never seen this symbol before. What? That's like the refresh symbol. I know, but like I've never seen it in a Google Doc. Oh, yeah. So I, so I went to find an emoji for an arrow that goes, okay, follow me here visually. I'm going to mentally describe it to you, okay? Yep. It starts from the right. Yep. It goes left and then turns up and points completely vertical. So it starts at 3 o'clock. It's like, it's like if a clock was at 3 yes. o'clock. It starts at 3 o'clock and goes to 12. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And the arrow's on the top of the 12. Yep. That emoji does not exist. Huh. There's a million variations of like, you know, like starts at the top, goes around, starts at the bottom, goes up. The refresh symbol is like the closest thing I could find to describe that. But I looked up 
arrow emojis to add the emoji to this document, and that one that just just specifically that one doesn't exist. It's so strange. Well, that like is either one. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at the emojis. There's a lot. There's a lot of arrows too. There's a ton. There's like a hundred. And there's also this guy, which is like the reverse. Yes, yes. It's so if you mirrored that, that's what I'm talking about. Right, but that one doesn't exist. Nope. Told you. How weird is that, right? Super weird. So if you're looking, if you're ever looking for an emoji that means go around the left of something and then straight, <laughs> it doesn't exist. Nope. Man, there there are complicated arrow emojis too, and this one just does not. That's what exist. I'm saying. Yeah, I had a really hard time, and I was like, "This is very strange." We discovered a new fact today. In terms of music, the song "Ditch the Fuzz" ends, and Brian saves Dominic begins. They're both by BT. There's the one. There's the, there's the best YouTube video that I keep linking to in the document. That there's the entire score by BT, Mm -hmm. by Brian Transo, on YouTube. So I just keep linking there. So that's a very cool thing to listen to if you want to get psyched up, get jazzed up while you're... After you finish listening to the podcast, if you want to listen to the Fast and Furious score, go do that. And the only other thing is the trivia question. There's not a lot to add. Like, I don't... I I literally cannot think of another question that isn't just like, what does the sign say about this minute other than what color is is Dom's jacket? What color is Dom's jacket or where does Dom park above? Which would be the Union Swap Meet? Yeah. But again, like that's like I want to it's super. I know. Like it's it's difficult. I don't want to have everything just be like a sign. You know what I mean? Because like I think last time we just did a sign. I think Dom's jacket's a good one, and it's in another minute. It's like in, you know what I mean. He yep. wears it back to the party and stuff, so it's on for a while. That's a that's a better one. I think that's more fair. So we have black, red, brown, or he isn't wearing a jacket, and of course it's brown. He's got a couple of black stripes, armband kind of stripes around his yeah thin stripes around his, on his left arm, at least. Anything else to say about the Fast and Furious Minute before we take a break and come back to talk about Into the Blue? No, I think that that's all that I had to say. I actually think we did better than what the minute gave us, to be honest. We are getting very close to uh, Johnny Tran. Yes. We are getting very close to, ostensibly, party. Dom's other sister, Ellie Toretto. Yeah, yeah, we are. And the party, like <laughs> you said, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're getting there. It's just a matter we're of... We're getting to the main parts yep. real soon. But let us take a quick break, and then we'll come back with another word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Stuart Cove's Dive Bahamas. Their two-tank shark diving adventure trips begin with their first dive with the sharks along a magnificent wall where they swim calmly along with the divers in a non-feeding environment. The second dive is on a large sand patch where the group kneels down in a semicircle and watches our dive master feed the sharks off of a long pole. Is the dive master Jessica Alba and Paul Walker? Because they are both not terrified at all of sharks. I think it's Jessica Alba. I think she's the dive master. Very, very cool. Because Paul Walker even seems like a buster at diving, doesn't he? This might be kind of a condemnation of his acting ability, but he's, again, kind of Brian O'Connor here. Sort of. He's, he's Brian O'Connor, yeah. So this movie won, like I said before, it won our poll. Pick a Paul Walker movie for us to watch. It beat out Joyride, Running Scared, and Varsity Blues. Uh, if you want to hear people talk about Varsity Blues, Brian Rodriguez covered it over in High School Slumber Party. Oh, cool. So go, nice. go do that thing. Fitting it in, I think, to the Fast and Furious timeline, because once again, every note I took about the Paul Walker Always. character, I don't even Same. know what his character's name is. 
just write down Brian. That's all I wrote. I, was it like Kyle? I have no idea. I, I honestly, if you gave me four choices, like I would, I would have no idea. I think it was Kyle. Into the blue, his name is Jared. So you had your first letter was almost kind of right. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Was there somebody named Jared Kyle? That's kind of the same Uh, name. Scott Conn's name was Bryce? Yeah, see, these are all, like, very white boy names. Douche bro names, yeah. Oh, so this is interesting. So the director of this film, John Stockwell, directed a film, the only other one of his movies that I've seen. Well, he directed Blue Crush, which I have not seen, which is another surfing movie, another water movie. It's sort of important to the mythology of this show. He directed In the Blood, which is the bad Gina Carano movie that I saw. So I always talk about Haywire and how you should see Haywire. I'm like, but whatever you do, don't see In the Blood. John Stockwell also directed that. So if you're listening, I am so sorry. We're sorry that that you're you're mentioning another movie that he directed that you don't like. In terms of names, Jessica Alba as Sam and Ashley Scott as Amanda, if you had given me like a list of those, I would have like I knew the girls' names. The guys I don't know if they just don't say the guys' names or I just don't care because they're Brian and Scott Con to me. Like I don't you know I don't know. Yeah. But Sam and Amanda both sound like especially Amanda. But the other like the guys' names, I just I could I well, they make a you. big deal about her being Amanda when they introduce her, right? So, like, I would have gotten Amanda, too. Sam, maybe. Who is Scott Con to you? Scott Con is, uh, I think he's in the Oceans movies. He is. But you know who he really is? Oh, he's in uh, Gone in 60 Seconds. Yes. Right. So, car adjacent as well. And also another one of your favorite movies, Boiler Room. Yeah. He's the one that's, like, totally fine with them being scumbags. I don't really ask questions about how we're making all this money. And he's like, you don't want to know? He's like, nope, less I know the better. And like, in a movie related to Gone in 60 Seconds, because it was directed by Mr. Nicholas Cage, the only movie he's ever directed, a movie called Sunny, which is about James Franco ooh. as a male prostitute in New Orleans. So, very Very interesting. Cool. All right. I just mentioned... Brian Rodriguez, who covered Varsity Blues, one thing that he does on High School Summer Party is that he reads the back of the VHS cover uh, to let people know. So I just found, because there's not a lot of movies I don't think we can do that are sort of VHS era, but here's the back of the VHS for what Into the Blue is about, okay? Red Hot Action Superstars, Paul Walker and Jessica Alba, heat up the screen as two sexy young divers. So uh, Sin City came out before this. Okay, I guess that's, yeah. Dark Angels in the 90s. I don't know what else. I couldn't tell you. Let's see here. Jessica Alba. Fair. Fantastic Four was before this, a year before this. Okay. Oh, same year, okay, at least. Okay. So the VHS would have come out after that came out. So she's, I think it's, it's safe to call her an, you know, if you could ever call Jessica Alba an action star, now is the now time is to do the it. Time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Heat up the screen as two sexy young divers who dream of finding hidden treasure. When they take some friends, Scott Conn and Ashley Scott, their celebrity couple name, Ashley Scott Conn, on an extreme sport adventure, the last thing they expect to see below the shark-infested waters is a legendary pirate ship rumored to contain yeah. millions of dollars in gold. But their incredible good fortune is short-lived as a ruthless gang of deadly criminals gets word of what they have uncovered. The discovery of a lifetime could just cost the treasure hunters their lives in this exciting new thriller from the director of Blue Crush. Right? That, that kind of skimps over the drug aspect of the movie. It also, it? well, it doesn't really skip over as much as, like, criminals get word. It's like, yeah, because Scott Kahn tried to take the drugs and sell them to get the money to get the ship. Back to the criminals. Exactly. Yeah. It's all, like, it's all Scott, like, this entire movie is Scott Kahn's fault. Like, everything bad that happens is his fault, because he's greedy. Well, I, I would argue that it's all Amanda's fault, but For it's the record, his fault. Shark bites her in the ass. She bleeds out and dies in the, in the emergency room. And she was like a character that needed to die. Yes. But then... Right at the time she did. I was very happy with this death. They're in a Jeep or whatever going back to the house, and it's Paul Walker and Jessica Alba and Scott Kahn. And Scott Kahn's just like, all right, cool, so she's out of things. And Jessica Alba's like, 
<laughs> she just died. It's like, yeah, I met her five days ago. It's like, well, yeah, like, yeah, but also he's like, like he's like, I'm a terrible person. Like, dead. you should know that by now. But also, I don't know what narrative benefit it served for her to just be like a, a random person that he met. You know, like I don't understand why she was it so. It could have easily been his girlfriend of like two months, three months. Because she could be the exact same character. What does this do? It just makes him get to accentuate his scumbagness. And you know what? In that moment, I never related more to a scumbag scumbag character in a movie when he's like, "Okay, she's dead now. Cool, let's." finish this off and they're like she just died he's like i just ma- i don't know that girl like she's just like random cokehead did you see her freak out and yeah. almost fuck that dude in the club like i'm glad she's eating too brother so i was saying to you that the movie's an hour 50 minutes an hour and 50 minutes long yes it really should have been like it's not like, like it's not like a thing where it's like this is like it, i think fluff it doesn't feel like there's a lot of fluff but it also should be a lot tighter and i think the problem is that it doesn't feel like there's a lot of fluff because it kind of is all fluff, sort of. There's not really plot for a while. Like, it's just, like, beautiful people snorkeling, which I think is how you sell the movie, and then they find Coke, and then the Coke goes away, and then they find the dagger, and the dagger, they're like, we need to figure out how to get, the, get more of well, the dagger. Well, they find, like, the Coke and the dagger, like, right at the same time. And then there's just a lot where they're like, how do we get money? And obviously, you would just bring up two bricks of this Coke and be like, I'm gonna trade this for a boat. Well, that's like, what Scott tries to do. I know, but you should have done this weeks ago. I mean, like, well, days, you know, hours ago. What it turns out is that everybody on this island is corrupt. Yeah, and you knew this. This is the Bahamas. Like, that's how it works. We all know about Fire Festival and, like, exactly what happened. What needed to happen was, is, like, you needed to go to the dude with the boat, unpack the cocaine, don't deliver it in the bricks that it arrives in. You unpack it, you're like, hey, I got this bag of cocaine that I found, and you just dump it into a random Ziploc, and you're like, here's your bag of cocaine. They would have solved all of these problems if you wouldn't have brought them, like, bright red bricks of cocaine with, like, yellow tape around the outside. It's like, that's very distinct. I would know that that's my cocaine. Yeah, it's like, you might as well just stamp it with, like, his, his you know... His initials Yeah, or exactly. Something. But, like, what the weirdest thing about this movie is that very early on, Josh Brolin on his big-ass boat pulls up next to Paul Walker on his little boot up, beat up, you know, hoopty of a boat. And he's just yes. like, hey, man, like, good to see you. Boats coming together, blah, blah, blah. And he leaves for like an hour. Because he was his old boss. Paul Walker's a treasure hunter. Yep. Brian O'Connor, he's a treasure hunter. Yep. And although he has Jessica Alba, they don't really make a lot of money because he's a treasure hunter. And they mostly just like dive and hang out. Which I mean, to be honest, I would too in that situation. Why not? What else do you need besides an island and Jessica Alba? I don't think there's anything else I could want for. And and she's like doting over him too. But also, there is a good point in this movie because like Paul Walker's kind of a buster in this movie. He's not, he's sort of like a, you know, he lives in a trailer. He's got a dumpy boat. He doesn't have a lot going for him. He like kind of works part time at seems and scott Conn's yeah. like you think a girl like sam is gonna stick around if you don't get your act together and like that's Fair kind point. of the pushy sort of kind of needs but they're like living like temptation island over here like we just need our love like we'll survive on love type thing i mean if jessica alba was telling me that i would believe her too and i do feel like like i was surprised i don't know why i was surprised but i was surprised when like in the first five minutes she shows up on his boat and they kiss i was like oh it almost felt like they should have been the new couple. That Scott Conn and his girlfriend should have been like this, like, you know, long running Or they thing. could have, like, switched. Like, she came with Scott Conn, and Brian had the shitty girlfriend, and they kind of, like, find each other in the middle. Like, I don't know why I thought that they were going to, like, have, like, a meet cute in here, but the fact that they were already dating from the start of the movie, I was just like, that's all right. The reason this movie gets mean, the reason that this movie gets, and I looked it up, a uh, $50 million budget is because Jesus. you have beautiful Paul Walker and beautiful beautiful Jessica Alba making out and swimming in bathing suits and just being fun and flirty. Shirtless and gorgeous the whole time. Where the movie kind of errs, errors, 
is that it tries to get too serious. I don't know what the movie could have been or should have been, but I feel like a more lighthearted kind of romp. Like, don't make it like a weird sort of force. Like, if this was thriller. like game night, like it was like Rachel McAdams and like Paul Walker being like, damn, that's not cocaine. Yes. Like, or you know what I mean? Like, bloop, bloop, bloop. And like, they like pull up the dagger and the dagger's made of cocaine or something. And they're like, this was a cocaine boat. But like, just the fact that like they, they try to ham fist in this thriller. Josh Brolin is the bad guy, but like, he's the only, he's the bad guy just because like we don't know anybody else. We haven't been introduced <laughs> to anybody else. So like, when. Well, they introduce a bad guy. An hour and I was just like, is he. Wait, is he the bad? I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, why would he be the bad guy? And then, like, he reveals he's the bad guy. And then, like, we find that, like, their cop friend is also crooked, or at least, you know, being forced into, like, working for them. I guess just because we don't know anybody else, but, like, why is this happening? I would assume that the guy in the club was, like, the ultimate bad guy, but he was just, like, one tier. Like, he was three steps removed from the real bad guy. So the movie starts out. I, I want to go over some Brian moments. Let's let's fit this in because in my mind, there's a very what? clear way that this ties into the Fastiverse and a very clear time in the timeline when this fits in. So I want to see if Ooh, you have the same. Interesting. I think I think you probably do. No, I don't think so. I have I have just have some Brian moments that I noticed. Brian is a diving instructor, yeah. right? And he leaves like a fat guy down there because that's funny, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, like I, I didn't laugh at it. I'm laughing at the idea. No, that no, I agree. Like, I'm just, you're just, you're, I'm laughing at your description of like, I guess that's what the movie's doing. I don't know. And the guy's like, you got him down there. Like you bring him back. And he's like, I only get him down there. And he's like, you threw the weight belt. I'm gonna take it out of your paycheck. And then Brian just throws his boss off a boat. And I was like, that's a pretty Brian move. I wrote down that's so Brian. <laughs> That's so br- like to take your boss, like you do your job half-assed, and then your boss is like, "Don't do your half-assed job," and he's like, "Yeah, get off the boat." Yeah, just like Stasiak, like physical aggression toward his superiors. Very strange. Yeah. Him and Jessica Alba are driving. He doesn't do a stare and drive. Nope. He does a stare. He does a make out and drive, which we've seen by both Dom and Letty and Han and Giselle. Yes, but this one ends almost badly. Yeah. He, he like swerves, almost hits another car. And we're like, the buster's still a buster. There like, was still... one thing between the two things that you said that I thought oh, another what? Brian action. Jessica Alba shows up to his boat. She smells his famous chili and cornbread. And she's like, the last time you made this was when your ex-girlfriend came to the island. Yes. And I was just like, is Brian learning to cook like the barbecue? Like, is he get the barbecue itch <laughs> from Dom? And he's making the it's chili and cornbread. It's not and exactly barbecue, Mia. but like it's barbecue adjacent like yeah buster all right he was, yeah he was thinking about mia too that she showed up to the island and shit broke loose um then we get into like fast averse scenes and this is where i think this is the only reason why paul walker agreed to this movie is because they probably let him drive the jet skis i don't know if he because like he didn't drive any boats i don't think in too fast but like he's around boats he probably just drove boats while they were filming it right so like he probably had that itch just a couple years earlier yeah and does it, it wasn't he like a big fisherman and stuff like i can see this is one of those things where like didn't adam sandler just get in trouble for like he only does movies of places he wants to take his family on vacation or something I don't think he got in trouble, but I think that's like kind of an they open like secret. know it. But yes. Yeah, it's like not a secret. He's like, I'll do the movie, but it has to be on a place where I can take my family and it's a vacation place. And then I'll just like happen to make a movie there on the side. And this is like a very good Brian, like, I'm going to go deep water fishing. I'm going to ride jet skis. And I'm just going to hang out with Jessica Alba in a bathing suit for like a month. The good outweighs the bad. Like I have to do some acting some days and stuff like that. For the most part, I can get drunk and be beautiful and like be on an island. This would be pretty dope. And get a, que- uh, get a sweet tan and just like be fond over you. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so his friend shows up. 
right? Super douche bro. Yeah, he's hitting on Jessica Alba in the airport. He's like, you know, if I ever, if I met like you first. Like slapping her thighs. Yeah. Like, okay. Aggressive. So, so here's a couple of things about trivia for this, okay? So. Please tell me he improved it. This no, I don't know about thighs, that. Culling her body tight. <laughs> Jessica Alba said she was unhappy with the film, mostly because her character was rewritten during filming, which has got to be frustrating for any actor. Yeah, also, and this is scummier, and this is skeezier and sleazier, scenes were shot with her stunt double in a bikini behind her back, which meant that she had to spend the majority of the movie without much clothes on. Because they're like, they got all this B-roll about your stunt double, like, you know, in a bikini, and, like, you got to be in a bikini to match, too. So, like, uh, just strip oh. down. So they just shot all the B-roll in, of her stunt double in a bikini, and then we're like, now you have to wear a bikini? That's what the IMDb trivia seemed to imply. <sighs> And the other thing was that apparently her bikini was, quote, too revealing for trailers, so they had to digitally enhance or add more fabric. <laughs> There's a lot of this movie where, like, I mean, she's adorable. Like, she's not the world's best cute. actress, but I think she's a good actress. She can be really good. And she's cute. She's very yeah. cute. But, like, this movie, she's just literally an object. Like, when she's talking to Brian, oh, when yeah. she's brushing her teeth, she's there in her underwear. Just, like, oh, yeah. we get, like, why this is happening, but they give her literally anything to do. Like, she's like, guys, I don't want any part of this. I'm going to go... And she, like, leaves for half an hour. Like, I understand that, like, that kind of makes sense for the character, but, like... I think even she was feeling like she needed to leave for half an hour. Terrible. Also, to sort of keep it PG-13, so sort of, like, family-friendly, where these teenagers can go and make out to this movie and, like, you know, think about their the love of their lives, Paul Walker and Jessica Alba. They had to alter and edit and cut down and cut back a lot of the violence in this movie. So I think this movie oh. was not exactly... Like, what we saw, I don't think was what was originally intended. I intended, think there's a lot of yeah. things that sort of shifted and changed. I don't mind the lack of violence, though. Like, I mean, like, there was, like, it, there's probably just, like, more, like, random gore of, like, her getting her ass bit off and, like, shark attacks and stuff like that. Maybe, like, another stabbing, more blood. It gets violent kind of in a hurry toward the end, which is a little strange. Not that this means necessarily anything, but 21% on Rotten Tomatoes, 57% from audiences. The biggest, the most telling number is that I said a $50 million budget, worldwide gross, $44 million. So this was a critical... Almost broke even. ...and commercial, but it was still a flop and a failure. You know what I mean? So Because if you got Jessica Alba and Paul Walker and you're pitching this as a movie where they make out a lot... And they don't really make out a lot. <sighs> For, okay. for, I guess for a while, but it's also, it's just a weird tonal shift, I think. This is kind of a fun, good times, happy vibes movie for half of it, and it's like, oh no, like, Scott Kahn's doing bad stuff. I want to see Jessica Alba and Paul Walker redo this movie. I want the exact same script, I want the exact same actors, but I want it to be directed by Harmony Core. I've got some bad news for you. What? Paul Walker's no longer living. <laughs> I don't think this can happen. But, but I mean, like, don't you want to see the Spring Breakers version of this? Well, I think the Spring Breakers version of this is just Spring Breakers. Like, it's that movie. It's it's where they want to have a good time. Yeah. And they get entangled in crime. Yeah, I think that that's exactly what this is. Like, if, but, like, I want it to be, like, weird and, like, surreal, strange in tone, really pushing weird envelopes with it, right? I mean, I think that's like, my biggest problem with the movie is that it's not that it's bad. I mean, it is bad, but it's not that it's bad. I like it. It's generic. Like, there's nothing about this that stands Like, it's just... It's two handsome people, and that's kind of it. Like, there's nothing about this that he, it doesn't even try to be anything new. I don't no, think. No, it doesn't. Which, which I respect. Like, it's like well, this that's is a different a way of watching a movie. But all right, all right. It's like this is a PG-13 movie. You get what you get. Yeah. And like, and I was like, I'm in for it. But I did have some problems with the movie. Scott Con comes in 
ultimate douche bro. Yeah. Slaps Jessica Alba on the thighs. This body's looking tight. Yep. They find the cocaine in the treasure. They go to get the boat to rent the boat. Scott Kahn, he's the purse strings. He calls, can't get $30,000. Very glazed over plot point. Paul Walker says, like, what do you mean, bro? Like, you're a lawyer. You don't have any money. And he goes, nope. Took a bad beat in Vegas. I'm broke. Yeah. You mean to tell me this guy doesn't love cocaine as much as I do? (laughs) Well, I think he does. He does not. Why not? He's all about keeping that brick. No, he just wants the brick to get the money to get the treasure. Well, no, because I think he, because Amanda's saying at first, she's like, let's save it for a rainy day or a rainy month or just or a sunny day. Like she wants to just do blow. Then I feel like they yes. met in the club under the auspices of like, let's just get fucked up. Like I think when he yeah. throws the drugs back in the guy's face. He says to her like right after that, he's like, he's trying to keep it because he's thinking of the money of it. And then he says, I think drugs are for lames anyways, when he throws the drugs into the water. And then when they're at the club, she's like, do you want to do a bump of cocaine with me? And he's like, no, drugs are stupid and throws them back at the drug dealer. And that's how the fight starts. I thought in that instance it was because he was just pissed off that like the girl cocaine. that he was with but not really with yeah. like was getting hit on by this other guy and he was just like well like fuck this guy. You know like I thought that was like I can sort of excuse that. I would have buried my face into this like you know what I mean like if this was like if the option was like maybe the Paul Walker Jessica Alba thing like maybe he doesn't do cocaine. If you're like a diver that doesn't have any money and you're living on this like in a Bahamas island, you'd probably be okay with drugs. Like you wouldn't say no. Like you would at least bring one brick up and be like we're going to have a sick ass party tonight. Even if it's just us four on this boat, like we're going to have a fun fucking time. Well, it does feel like like Sam is kind of, for lack of a better word, like a buzzkill. And, like, I would be Sam in this case, too. You know what I mean? It's just like, she's like, let's not, because she's looking at it rationally and functionally, and she knows, like, it seems like they're friends with the cops, they're friends with everybody, and she's like, look, you bring this up, and even, like, we don't do it, like, we're getting five years minimum, right? Like, it just... That's fair. It's not worth the trouble, it's not worth the risk. We're in paradise, we're all beautiful people, let's just have a good time. We're on a boat, let's just do this. Yeah, but I'd be like, look... I'm going to at least take a quarter of this brick, put it in a baggie, and I can chuck the rest into the ocean for you. I don't want all of them. I don't want to sell them. But just like, this is just a stash for now. And if we need more, we'll come back and get it. I do like, though, that after Carverone, Brian knows better than to fuck with Coke. He's just like, no, man, I'm good. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because I do think that this movie takes place. I mean, I know the Tokyo Drift is after the fact, but basically in 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 the chronological timeline or whatever, like basically between two and four, Brian's sort of adrift and going from agency to agency. I think, I feel like he went down to the Bahamas, to the whatever, wherever they are. Makes perfect sense. Just did this for a little bit and then came back, like, you know, we got, and I I think I've confused them before, but we have in the turbocharged prelude between one and two, we got Minka Kelly, and then we've got Mm -hmm. Jessica Alba in this. Like, I I feel like Brian's kind of got a type. Like, he's got that really attractive mid-2000s brunette, right? Which is also Jordana Brewster. Like, it's the same... It's the same build. Yeah, they're all beautiful, thin brunettes. If you blank their faces out and just put their bodies in a lineup, they would all pretty much be the same. Yeah. Right? Brian's definitely got a type, so I feel like this fits in after Too Fast, before Fast and Furious. Brian goes down, just trying to get his life together. He's like, I don't know, I'll just, I'll, I'll buy a boat. And then he buys a shitty boat, he's trying to fix up the boat. Things break Brian bad. Jessica Alba falls in love. What's fascinating, though, is that at the end of the movie, when they find all the gold, there's like a happy ending, which is also, I want to talk about this ending for forever, because it is bananas to me then it's like the secret bankrolling that like brian goes back and he's now like a millionaire and no one knows he never brings it up but like i think that if this fits in this is actually brian i just like that he's secretly incredibly wealthy like a (laughs) hundred like nine digit eight zeros like he's really really wealthy yeah that would be pretty badass i can't believe that scott con doesn't like cocaine but i really did like the plot 
point to put the crashed airplane full of cocaine right next to the actual treasure because that gives them a sense of like urgency that they can't really like report that they found the treasure unless they can claim it first and they know that they need to find the evidence to claim it and as soon as they claim it they're gonna have to tell them about finding the plane right so like they have to make it so that it's like we got a 12-hour boost one night they're gonna have to report this to the police and the authorities like all at once that was cool that they have to like teeter between the like there's cocaine there worth like probably like a hundred million dollars and then there's gold there probably worth like a billion dollars and like we're on a crunch here because there's dead people in this plane and we know about it. It feels like they kind of, they're trying to weigh between ignorance is bliss and also getting rich quick, but not really, like not getting really rich quick. Like it just, it's a strange, like they want to come across things authentically, right? But they're also, like there's a line that I feel like is said and then passed by altogether. Brian says something along the lines of like, if we want to do this legit and if we want to be able to keep this, we have to do X, Y, and Z. And then I feel like that is never, like he's worried, I think, about making sure that when they rescue the Zephyr with the old ship, they get the finder's fee. But like, yes. I don't, I feel like yeah. that's not really addressed. Like they, I think they say that line to be like, well, this is kind of like, we could do this legitimately as opposed to the drugs, which is like an illegitimate, like hurting the island, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but I mean, that's the thing. They're, they're in a moral struggle. It's like a very apparent binary moral struggle. It's like easy, quick money, nobody will find out about it. Or like we could do the work and get the treasure, which is awesome and fun. And it's like at the same time, they're right next to each other. So like we got to do this quick. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Um, But can we talk about the ending? Let's talk about the ending where Amanda is dead. Amanda's dead because she gets shark eaten. They finally agree at some point to like return all the cocaine, right? And they're like, we need the 30 grand to return the cocaine, which will get them the boat so that they can find the treasure. That's the fairest deal, right? Honestly, if I was out there, my solution to this would have been tell the drug dealers we found your plane. Don't pull up any of the treasure, right? Because it was all like hidden. And so like, look, we got your plane. Give me two divers. Have them come with me. Bring a speedboat. I'll show you where it is. You collect all your cocaine and get the fuck out of here. Right. You know what I mean? And, like, just let me have the, like, excavation boat. Like, I'm just going to have fun with this boat for a day. And then as soon as they leave, be like, cool, now we're digging up the shit. And, like, you could have gotten rid of it, and you would have had no record of it. You call in the plane when you find it, but you know that the shit's already there. That's the inherent dilemma in this movie, right? So Scott Conn's plan what you, is basically what you just said, and that's not a bad plan but like i'm not gonna try to sell the coke back to them you show up with like the packing to this brick and you're like is anybody looking for this and then they're like i know exactly who that belongs to where did you get this and you're like look sorry dude i just want to make sure that somebody knew what this was i know where the rest of it is i'll take you to it i don't want it i'm good but i'm gonna need some money to rent this boat is that a fair finder's fee like obviously i didn't shoot down your plane or anything and I could take you to where it is. And I think that a drug dealer would be like thirty grand for a hundred million dollars worth of cocaine. Of course I'll do that. And he could bring his own divers and shit. Be like, I'll take you there like tonight. I can point it out exactly where it is. I think the problem is that Brian's just such a goody two shoes, right? That like he can't abide any kind of moral or ethical or whatever. It's just like I don't want to even be associating with these with these criminals. That's just lame though. I mean like you're just getting to the end goal. Like you don't need to like you're not doing anything morally wrong other than like flooding the streets with drugs. 
But like, people are gonna get drugs <laughs> which is no a pretty big what. moral dilemma. No, but like, people are going to get drugs no matter what. It's not like there was no drugs on the island. Like that guy still had cocaine. Like you just lost one shipment of it. Okay, so now he has another shipment of it. Who the fuck cares? Like they're going to be bringing coke through the island forever and ever. Everybody's corrupt. We know it. Let's just move this along. Did, would you have a moral dilemma with it? I mean, you're talking to somebody who wouldn't even bring beer into Hobbs and Shaw. Like, what well, do you think I'm going to fuck with coke? Yeah. No, but I mean, like, you just, like, re-deliver it back to the drug dealers that it came from. I don't know. I, I think the movie's also manufacturing dilemmas like this, because you can also have the same kind of end result where, like, they get into trouble with the, the drug dealers, even if everybody's on board, right? Like, even if Paul Walker's on board, them having the issue early on just makes the movie longer. Yeah. Because they have to, like, basically get to a point where Scott Conn just does it behind their back. Like, if they had just said you know, that's not a bad idea, let's just do that. Like, the movie's 20 minutes shorter, they skip the middle chunk, Jessica Alba maybe runs away then instead of later, I don't know. But I feel like just they want to manufacture tension or maybe keep the good times going. I don't know. By saying no early, they're just delaying the kind of inevitable, right? Yeah. Which is not like a a good thing. Like, that's just like a, oh, all right, That's I guess that's what's happening now. At the end of the movie, Amanda's dead, the other three of them are on the boat, and they're just like, you know, we don't need to be rich. We can just hang out and have a good time here. They were still trying to rescue, like, or bring up this, like... There's a cannon. The cannon, yeah, from the boat, from the Zephyr. And they tried to bring this up earlier, and that's when the cops showed up, and that's when Scott Kahn got his arm. I thought it was broken, because, like, it snapped, but it just, like, trapped underneath. But they try to bring it up again, and it falls again. It breaks open like what basically looks like sand on the, on the bottom of this ocean, the bottom of the sea or whatever. But it's the Zephyr, the bottom of the Zephyr. Yeah. And they find all these gold bars and it's like, we're rich! Ha <laughs> ha! We're rich! And then the closing credits say there are more than $6 billion in yes. unclaimed treasure in the oceans, yes. dot dot dot, waiting to be found. And I was like, wait a minute, is this movie encouraging dumb dumb amateurs just watching this movie to like go rent a boat and like dive and find tri- like that feels like no. it's it's like the opposite of like don't try this at home it's like oh to me it was like hey kids you want to get rich quick go rent a boat and just go scour the ocean floor for treasure that's because you're just too reasonable if the target audience for this is pg-13 and it's kids making on the movie theater they're just selling you the dream at the end of the movie they're just telling you that yes really this could actually happen not to go do it i feel like they're more impressionable though they'd be like because i'm not going to read that and be like i'm gonna go do that but yeah, i feel but like you're if you're like 14 can you go rent a boat and scour the ocean floor no no but if you're you 14 can't. you can write the video game that's an ah, that's a spoiler i'm not i'm gonna cut that out never mind totally different movie it felt like the kind of movie where it's all fictional characters like there's nothing real it's like and this is what happened after the movie and it's like i don't care what these characters go after the movie like just show me like it's not like they're real people yeah like it's not like the irishman right did you watch the irishman or no i don't have three hours to commit to this like hey man a lot of people did break it down like it's based on the jimmy hoffa thing like everything is pretty much factually correct right and so like when they show somebody on screen they're just like this guy was shot six times in the face this guy was killed and shot like this guy died of old age or whatever and like that is cool because it it actually is what happened but here it feels like and you know after this you know brian and sam you know went on and got married it's like i don't i don't care like i don't i guess if you love the characters it's kind of cool but it just it feels like that kind of vibe or just like oh okay you know what i mean or, or yeah, not no, just happily ever after man that's it i like happily ever after that's okay with me so did you like this movie i did like this movie would you watch it again uh yeah i would watch it again <sighs> Okay. I would watch it again on like a Saturday afternoon, like like if it was on TV and Rachel Rachel hasn't seen it, I watch it without her. I would I would put it on and be like, check this movie out. I don't know if she would like it. She might rage quit it, but like I would attempt to put it on for her. I heard that she was not too fond of uh, Brick Mansions. She was absolutely not. But I mean, we were drinking, so like, who the fuck knows what that means? Like, it could be something. It could be good. It could be bad. Who knows? I have a couple other fast connections here. 
Same. They have the air tank, which I was like, oh, it's like Nas underwater. Yeah, he shoot he shoots Nas with the tank because that's how they blow up Josh Brolin at the end. There's a lot of harpoons. Harpoons, yes, for sure. Similar there. There's also a lot of Roman esque things going on here. <laughs> there is. So, like, what were you thinking when they're in the club and Amanda's eyeing the high rollers? It feels like the guy is kind of like he's got the swagger and the bravado of a too fast Roman. Oh no, I was thinking that. The whole time that Scott Kahn is playing his Roman. Well, that's what I was thinking. Because the next, what I was about to say was that when Scott Kahn throws the coke back in the guy's face and punches him, I'm like, that's a very Roman move too. Yes, Scott Kahn is just white Roman to Paul Walker in this movie. Like he's the one that's like, come on, man, like we're gonna do dumb shit. And then he's like, you don't have any money. He's like, well, I thought I did, but like I gambled it all. And you're like, God damn it, you should have told me that. Yeah. So I think that he plays his Roman a lot in this movie. I mean, he's definitely the Roman to Brian's Brian. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, he's the Roman character for sure. Which I guess is probably a dynamic that we've seen in a lot of movies. The kind of the uptight and not the uptight, but like the sort of the normal by the book sort of guy. Again, here Brian yes. is kind of acting as the bridge between like the law and the criminals. Like he's just like, all right, like I, I know what's going on here, but I also know the cops, and I'm like I'm, I'm sort yeah. of in between both worlds. I think that the dynamic is the like the sort of the by the book guy and the the, the freewheeling kind of reckless one yeah. is in a bunch of movies. It just Good feels cop, like bad cop kind of thing. Yeah, a lot of these Paul Walker movies also kind of fit exactly into that because again, Brian is kind of the you know the the opposite, the yin to the yang. Yep, I agree with you. One of the very fast connections that I saw in this movie was Brian is getting away. Yep, and he's driving, and it's so much like he's driving through the favelas, right? And he also does like the drive backwards gets the guy to wreck his car but just like that whole driving through like very tight streets and brian being like i got it i'll just reverse driving the whole thing backwards through like a very tight street i was like but it did remind me of the favelas a lot sure this reminded me of fast and furious at one point uh, i think he finds a corona bottle on the uh, it's probably not a corona bottle but he finds a oh. clear bottle on the bottom of the ocean i was just like oh yes it wasn't a corona bottle it was like a liquor bottle or something no no, no there's there's a beer bottle he finds really yeah there's a beer that bottle has the sand in it i remember that yeah i thought it was a, i think it's a, it I think like pretty sure like a, a beer little, bottle. Okay. I mean, there's a club scene that we're talking about. There's a club scene in Too Fast as well. This is not a Too Fast thing, but one of the other big things, the only other thing I bolded, I think, was there's an underwater fist bump, which I feel like if, if Fast and Furious ever had like an underwater scene, it feels like it would fit in right there. I was going to ask you, we don't have an underwater scene yet, really, right? Like, the submarine is underwater, but we don't have like an underwater, like, underwater fighting scene. I don't think so. No, you know what I keep doing is I keep thinking about the fucking Italian job now and them shooting into the water at the beginning of the Italian job. Yes. And, like, that's what I'm thinking. And and because it's now canon, I keep thinking that that's the underwater scene that I'm remembering from Fast and the Furious, but it is not. The closest thing we get, there's these scenes where, like, Tej is by the water, like, and Suki's drawing, and that's when Roman meets Suki and Roman meets Tej. But I think the closest thing we get to a water action scene is probably... At the end, when Brian drives the boat on, or the car onto the boat, that's as as it might as well, it may as well be like landlocked because they're just, they're not in the water. At the end, Roman in fate, Roman goes underwater by the submarine, but like there's no other yes. water that I know of. That's what I was thinking. Like I was trying to remember if there's like a fight water scene, but it's like just the submarine, so they're not like fighting underwater. But so maybe we're gonna get a nice underwater scene. We didn't even get one in Hobbs and Shaw. You know, and they're, like, on the island type thing. Samoa. Samoa. I mean, I'd rather have outer space than water, but, yeah. No, I mean, well, you got to go water first. If we're going to go up, we're going to go down. True. True, true, true. Do you have any other Fast and Furious connections? No, I don't. Let's talk about the ending, and then I'll finish it off with one of my with my little tidbit that I've been saving. Okay. Did we talk about the ending? I mean, we, we talked about the end where uh, they're on the boat and they, yeah. they get all the money. Yeah, is that, is, was that suffice? For oh, yeah, like, I, yeah, I, I, that, I ran out of things. Oh, actually, I do, I do want to say, though, there's basically, like, a 20-minute or 30-minute, like, final action scene where, like, it turns out everybody's crooked and they're all coming for each other and Brian's trying to, like, save themselves and, like, 
get people back and try to make deals and blah, blah, blah. And at one yes. point, Sam, Jessica Alba, is running away, and a guy's chasing her, and she's slant. Like, this is, this is, I mean, in a movie that I did not love, this was a crazy moment that I very much enjoyed. She slams a guy's fingers in, like, a very big boat door, right? Yes. And he screams and screams and screams. And then she's, like, trying to call for Mayday or help or whatever. And she locks his hand. She locks it, too. So yeah. she, like... It's, like, it's just, shut. He's, he's viced. Yeah. This dude headbutts and shatters a boat window and then yep. uses his other hand to, like, open the door. I was like, what the fuck is happening? Like, that That's is a good move, crazy. Dude. Yeah, I was like, that was very resourceful. Like, I, w- I don't think I could have thought of that. No, especially since, pain? like, you have, like, all you have is, like, pains shooting through your brain. Like, searing, blinding pain. Yeah, well, I want to know if my reaction would be, like, oh, I must solve this. Or, like, oh, fuck, I'm just so in pain. Because, like, getting your fingers smashed would hurt, so. And then the other gruesome thing, I guess, is that I mentioned before they use the Nas. They shoot the Nas underwater into the back of the airplane, and it blows up the airplane as Brian flies away. And we see We see him. very briefly Josh Brolin's, like, entire, like, the skin and everything just go off. Like, I saw a thought first, and it'd take his face off but also just like the nods just blew up and like just made him like basically turned him into an instant skeleton i was like this is crazy too yeah it hits the fuel tank of the plane or something right like a fuel tank in the plane and blows up shreds him like two-face like it just melts his face off and we see it for like a split second it's pretty weird okay so i have a couple of other bits of trivia but i can wait so what is your uh, what's the tidbit you've been saving at the end of the movie I swear he says it when they drop the the cannon, right? Yep. The first time or the second time? The second time, very end of the movie, and he jumps into the water because, like, he doesn't say anything. He, like, sees kind of, like, the glint of gold, right? The glimmer of it, like, through the water. Scott jumps back in the water. Fucking Paul Walker looks at him and goes, you jag off. Huh. That is, like, a very regional Pittsburgh colloquialism. Huh. Okay. Like, nobody else says jag-offs. Yeah, like not jerk-off. Like, I guess jerk-off is the common one, right? Or, like... Jerk-off, yeah. Jack-off, maybe. No. But, like, yeah, jerk-off. Jag-off. J-A-G-O-F-F? Yeah, he doesn't say jack-off. He says jag-off. And, like, I was like, holy shit, where did Paul Walker pick up this Pittsburghism? Because he was a, he was a California back. boy, right? So I want to go back and see, like, what the subtitles say about that part of it and see if he actually said jag-off. I mean, obviously, I could just been hearing jag off right because like that's what i would have known it as but it was like a very nice thing for me i was like oh did somebody from pittsburgh write this script you know because like that's something that like i would write into the script you know pg-13 you're like okay jack off you would write it and nobody else would notice yeah so i'm curious oh my god so this movie was written by matt johnson uh who has written three movies the movie called tracers which i do not know into the blue and a legitimately amazing, incredible movie that I think Mike Manzi and I have talked about on this very podcast, Torque, which is kind of sort oh, of yeah. a Fast and Furious parody a little bit, but like yeah. genuinely amazing, which is directed by Joseph Kahn, who directed Bodied, who directed Detention, who's done like all of Taylor Swift's big videos. Genuinely incredible movie. Matt Johnson wrote that one too. So I don't know. I was going to see if he was from Pittsburgh, but I just got sidetracked by... Oh, man. Yeah. Let me, let me look up. I'm going to see if he's from Pittsburgh, though. Because, like, even if he, like... Okay, so say he's from Pittsburgh, right? Yeah. And he writes into the script. Paul Walker then reads the script. He's like, I don't... Why would I... What, is, what does this mean? Like, he would probably just change it. Unless, like, the character was from Pittsburgh? Like, there's no... You know what I mean? Like, it's a very weird... Yeah. All right, so Matt Johnson, known for writing six things... Uh, Tracers, yeah. all the, a couple of their movies Western and pre-production. PA. Virtually no information about him on... IMDb, so I cannot tell you, but maybe you can tell from his, like, uh, frosted tips whether or not he is, (laughs) whether he's from uh, Pittsburgh or not. 
Kind of looks like Pittsburgh to me. Yeah, he definitely does. He looks Pittsburghy to me. He doesn't not look like he's from Pittsburgh. He doesn't. He definitely doesn't not look like he's from Pittsburgh. You're right. It'd be really cool yeah. if like I clicked on like I clicked on the picture to expand. And it'd be like really cool if like in the background of that picture it's like a Primanti Bros menu, just like ah oh, yes. In, in his sunglasses, like the reflection in his sunglasses, is just like it's like the three bridges. It's just a bunch of bridges. Yeah, yeah. exactly. He's just at the point. Yeah. So a couple of things about this movie. Number one, Scott Kahn was also acting with Paul Walker in Varsity Blues, another movie that I said we uh, had up for the running. Yeah. This is apparently a modernized remake of a movie called The Deep from 1977, which I do not know, but that would make sense, I guess, right? Like, uh, yeah. there's a bunch of people find treasure and they try to figure out how to get the treasure and they run into problems. Would make sense. Very small, cool thing. Jessica Alba, the same year, also appeared in Sin City, so I was, I think, a couple years off, but like Sin City was, I knew it was in high school. Because if I have Sin City, also alongside Miss Devin Aoki. Oh, touche, you're right. So a little bit Another of a... Another fast connection. Too fast connection right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, Devin Aoki does not exactly have a ton of acting credits, I don't think. But for, for both the stars of this movie to act alongside her over like a three-year stretch, like, small world. Yeah, definitely. I think that's all I got to say about Into the Blue. Any other notes, any other thoughts about Into the Blue? No, I covered all my notes. Like I said, I actually enjoyed this movie. I definitely watch it in a weird way because I'm watching for Brian O'Connorisms. Right. That, like, I, I liked, I think Brick Mansions is a lot more fun than this. Did you like Brick Mansions more than this? Yeah. I think Brick Mansions is more wacky. I like the RZA. There's, like, a lot of parkour. It felt even closer to a Fast and the Furious movie. Like, he's definitely like Brian O'Connor right. in Brick Mansions, right? This one was fun, though. Like, I I, I didn't mind it. We've seen so many worse movies. This was just brain mush. It's Paul Walker and Jessica Alba. It was a PG-13 movie. I knew what the vibe of it was going in. I'm fine with it. I think watching for Brian, as opposed to just watching for Paul, made Brick Mansions go from a movie that I liked, or would have liked, to really liked. This movie... Yes. It took it from a movie that I would have turned off to a movie that I was like, I'll watch it. Okay. It's not like I did not love this movie, but I like watching because I like Paul Walker. I think that he's got a charm. He's got a charisma on screen. I like being able to fit this into the weird canon that we've built for the character yes. and for the actor. My problem with this movie is that it just doesn't try anything that I've not seen a hundred times before. Like, it just feels so yeah. stale. And it's not, like, a bad thing, that's but it's just like, I don't need to see way. that. You know what I mean? I just want to, I want something more exciting. I know that's not going to be every movie, but I was just sort of hoping for a little bit more. Not not that this movie was necessarily going to... Like, I felt like if this movie was a great movie, I would have heard a lot more more about it. Like, I don't mind that I watched it. I'm glad that... We do it for this, yeah. But, yeah. But, you know, if we ever do another Paul Walker lap, and if this goes on for infinity, we might. At some point, I want to watch Varsity Blues. I just, I guess I could just watch it, you know, on my own. I'm not bothered that I watch this movie. I just was kind of hoping for a little bit more. That's fair. That's totally acceptable. You're allowed to feel that way. The next pit stop that we're doing, I'm not going to say it on air. It's going to be a surprise. We're not watching anything. It's a no-watch. It's a no-prep episode. It's going to come out on Christmas Eve. So originally, I sort of mixed things around a little bit because we're going to have a Christmas Eve episode. We're going to have a New Year's Eve episode. I was going to have like kind of a a look back, like a reflect back on the year of Too Fast, Too Forever and everything like that. And I feel like things have shifted, especially now that the Netflix series, the Spy Racers or whatever it's called, is coming out. We're going to cover that in January. And so things shifted back to sort of their normal schedule. So I think Christmas Eve, there's a special thing that you and I are going to share. I don't know if you know about yet. I keep teasing this a little bit. I will share with you soon. I don't know. But it's also going to kind of be like a reflection, like a maybe we'll talk about the Toys or Tots thing, like whatever. Like it's going to sort of be a, a more laid back kind of holiday focused year in reflection 
too fast, too forever. So no homework, to use another one of Brian Rodriguez's terms. Uh, so nothing to watch for two weeks. The pit stop after that, so in four weeks, we will be covering Netflix series. So that comes out the day after Christmas. Cool. So there's nothing you can do now, but when that comes out, if you want to listen, having seen it, go through that starting after Christmas. But for next episode, next pit stop, no homework. Nice. But between now and then, Joe, we've got a very special movie called Tokyo Drift. Ooh, I can't wait for Kara to watch it. She's also going to watch the end, the, the credit scene in six and see what happens there. And yep. then uh, we will go from seven, eight, and all Hobbs and beyond. So very exciting things, Tokyo Drift, and then a special episode, and then to Furious 7. So, and that's that'll do it for this year in Too Fast, Too Forever, because the episode after that cool. is 2020. A new decade. For too fast, too forever. Two zero fast, two zero forever. It's our decade. Like it's our time to shine. It is. Any other thoughts about uh, anything that we talked about in this episode before we close up shop? Nope, that was good. I liked uh, Into the Blue. I'd watch it again. Well, for all things too fast, too forever, you can go to cageclub.me, facebook.com/slash/too fast, too forever, or at too fast, too forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us family at cageclub.me. Check out our Patreon page at too fast, too forever.com. Leave us a review, rate, review, subscribe if you would be so kind. Uh, more importantly than anything, like I said, just email. Like we keep saying over and over, email in rankings, email in mm-hmm. songs. You ask something, oh, your uh, vending machine snacks. What would you put in your vending machine? Yes. What would you put in the, if we curated a vending machine for you, what kind of fun regional snacks would you have in it? You jag off. <laughs> Come back next week for Tokyo Drift. Come back in two weeks for a very special. It's going to make sense sort of as a holiday. It's not at all a holiday thing, but it also sort of makes sense talking. as a holiday thing. You'll see what's going on. Two weeks okay. here on Too Fast, Too Forever. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe, too. And we'll see you next time right here on Too Fast, Too Forever.